Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is a weekly conversation with someone that I find truly inspiring and hopefully it'll leave you truly inspired as well. My goal in this show is to talk with guests that have a great story to tell or who have achieved something remarkable in their lives through their story. Hopefully get inspired myself and perhaps inspire you too. My guest today is the fabulously talented actress Nikki Whelan. More about her in a moment. Uh, thank you to everybody that tweeted out a link to the show. Uh, the link to the show is now osherginsberg.com, O-S-H-E-R-G-U-N-S-B-E-R-G.com. Please, if it's for you, please please share that link out. Uh, also, please rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps me a lot. There is a mailing list on the new website, osherginsberg.com. Each week, there's something kind of writing that I do that doesn't really go anywhere else. Exclusive interviews are coming to that mail- mailing list. It'll be worth it. I promise it'll be worth it. What's going on with me? Jesus, guys, I'm turning 40. <laughs> I'm turning 40. Yes, we're all old. Um, this is Friday night. I'm recording this right now. It's Friday night. Uh, it's the 28th of March. It's the last four hours and 50 minutes of my 30s, and I'm home alone uploading a podcast. <laughs> all good, though. I would. I don't want to be anywhere else. I love doing this. I'm having a lovely dinner tomorrow night. I wasn't going to have a dinner, but then... Um, I chatted, actually chatted with Will Anderson. That interview is coming up in a couple of weeks. And he said, man, you've got to have a party. You've got to let people come and celebrate it. And so, yeah, he's kind of right. So there's going to have a party tomorrow night, which would be nice. Um, and that'll be last night by the time you hear this, though. Sorry, a bit of weird time warpness. Um, but tomorrow morning on my actual birthday, I'm going to go ride my bicycle with some mates up and down some mountains. Nice way to turn 40, I'd say. Um, I did want to share this, though. Um, speaking of turning 40, a lot of people ask me how I'm feeling about it, but um, uh, when I was in Israel, I was I was shooting a show out in Israel, and um, um, one of the people that uh, I was working with, 
is a lovely friend and uh, quite clued in on the spiritual side of things. Now, I understand that religion isn't for everyone. It's a bit hard to ignore religion when you're in Israel. Uh, I understand religion isn't for everyone. I'm one of those people. Um, I'm into spirituality. Uh, but I, I do try to... I try to be quick to see where religious people are right, if you get my drift. Um, I try to see the spiritual significance behind the beliefs. So um, what she wrote in this card really kind of touched me. So this was kind of how I got set off on my thinking about turning 40, because I was given this card about two weeks ago. It says, Dear Osha, the number 40 has great significance throughout the Torah and the Talmud. The number 40 represents transition of change, the concept of renewal, a new beginning. The number 40 has the power to lift a spiritual state. In Pirkei Chovot, it says at the age, I think that's it, or Pirkei Avot, it says that at the age of 40, a person transitions from one level of wisdom to the next. The children of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years, preparing themselves for the promised land. After Moses led them in the wilderness, he told them, God has not given you a heart to know and eyes to see and ears to hear until this day. From here, we see that it took the Jewish people 40 years before reaching a full level of understanding. So now you have reached the age of wisdom, significance, and wholeness. We wish you self-fulfillment and happiness with love. So that's kind of how I was a bit freaked out about turning 40, and then they read me that, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's going to be all right. <laughs> I think it's going to be all right. Either way, I'm glad I'm happy to be here, and I'm very, very glad that you're along for the ride. I really am. Thanks for everybody that uh, has been in touch through the week. It's always lovely. Let me tell you about my guest today, Nikki Whelan. She's at Nikki Whelan on Twitter, N-I-C-K-Y-W-H-E-L-A-N. Tweet her out. Let her know you heard her in the show. Send her a tweet while you're listening to this if you hear anything that really resonates with you. This woman has worked harder than all of us. All right. It's a bit of a longer show today, but the inspiration this woman has to share is worth every single minute. When you hear how hard she's worked, how completely unstoppable she is, well, I can tell you it made me feel like I was standing still and, and I work hard. She's got a clear vision in her mind. She had a clear vision in her mind as to what she wanted out of life and she just went out and got it. She was just, she is undeniable. Now, you don't have to be an actor or have dreams of Hollywood to get value from this story. The ethics and drive here can translate translate across lives, across desires, across careers. Just listen out for the drive, the vision, the determination that she has. And I guess try to replicate that into whatever you're trying to do right now. Might be to finish high school, to be a great parent, be the best at your job, wherever it is, we could all do with a bit of whatever Nikki Whelan's got. This is probably also the best primer that I've ever heard to what life is like in Hollywood and how to survive it. Certainly how to survive the hostile environment that is LA. It is a very worthy listen. Stick with us. Now, we recorded this a few weeks ago. Since then, she made it through pilot season. She talks all about pilot season. And she landed a huge role on the new Robert Rodriguez network. Uh, there's a new show on that show, Matador. She's the lead female. She's series regular. That's huge in, in, in terms how out here. I'm so happy for her. It couldn't go to a more deserving, a more deserving person, as you'll no doubt hear. Uh, a quick trigger warning. We discuss drugs in this show, in particular an incident where she had her drink spiked. Uh, she's very honest in the story, but if that's a trigger for you, just when you hear us talk about drugs the first time, just skip forward about five minutes and uh, you'll end up on the other side safely. Like I said, she's on Twitter, at Nikki Whelan, N-I-C-K-Y-W-H-E-L-A-N. Let her know you're here. To, let her know you heard her here. Um, 
this is a great chat. Come and um, this is what it sounds like if you were to sit in my living room a couple of weeks ago and drink a cup of tea while you listen to Nikki and I shoot the breeze for an hour and a bit. Enjoy. Like, whatever you want, like darling. You can be whatever you like. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm grateful to know about this new area. This is amazing. Venice Beach. I just feel like I've gone across country. Yeah, it, it's it's folks have got to kind of understand that it's if you live in, let's say, if you lived in Sydney, it's like if you've, you know, if you're from Newtown and you'd never drove out to check out Bronte. Because it's like 45 minutes away and there's no freeways and it's a hassle to get there. But when you get there, you're like, this is Sydney? Am I still in Sydney? Uh, this, is, this is beautiful. The beautiful thing about LA is every little suburb, not that they call it that here, but is like a little mini city. It's amazing. Yeah. You've just introduced me to a new one. Thank oh, well, you. I'm grateful to do so. Like it comes <laughs> with its ups and downs, you know. But everywhere in LA does. It does like any major city, you know, there's... Yeah. Uh, Every area has its challenges, you know, late at night. There's helicopters, there's, you know, people shouting at things that I can't see walking up and down. Activity? You occasionally have to vault over human poo when you go for your morning run, but there's dolphins. Magical, very healing. So once you've trodden in human poo, you can then be revealed to healing dolphins. There's dolphins. Dolphins don't care. They don't care. Like, hello, buddy. You get and, the best of both worlds. <laughs> well, I'm really grateful you're here, and I'm I'm stoked that you can be a part of this uh, adventure that I'm on. Um, but when I was getting ready for this, I realised that you are from uh, you're from Victoria. What part of Victoria are you from? Grew up on the Mornington Peninsula, down in Mornington. Right. Yeah. I think I took a Channel V bus down there once. Oh yeah. What is it like? So not in the major CBD? No, right down in a tiny little town called Mornington. It's growing now. It's a lot busier now, but it was very small, little beach, lazy town, beautiful. The peninsula is beautiful down in Mornington. And uh, we ventured up to the city every now and then, but I, uh, yeah, born and raised in Mornington. And Frank, you could call me a franger chick, Frankston, <laughs> down that way. Well, I worked in Frankston as a, in like a clothing shop for years. So, Oh, which one? Jack and Jean and then Osmosis. I'm so normal. Now, tell me about your Jack and Jean. Is that like a, is that like a dotty kind of thing? Or? Kind of like a jean store, a really cool jean store with cool people. Like, it was rad. I'm still friends with the crew that own it. Great people when I was 15. And I knew that I wanted to go to the city and dance full time. That was my, initially my first goal. And mum said, well, the only way you're going to get to the dance school is if you make some money because we haven't got any to give you. So I started going into Frankston every night after school and working at the clothing shop and saved up enough money so I could put myself through dance school as soon as I finished School. I've been to Frankston. Frankston's getting better. It's not unlike Venice Beach in ways. Similar. Yeah, but a few more heroin addicts, I think, in Franger. <laughs> I love that you call it Franger. For folks listening in America, Franger is Australian slang for a condom. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> of yeah. which, by the looks of the domestic population when I was in Frankston, many people didn't know about. Right. <laughs> Seemed to be a lot of small children to a lot of young women. It's crazy. You know they're playing music on the streets now to clear them out just because they play this opera music on all when you walk around the streets and it, it gets rid of all sort of, I guess, the heroin addicts and stuff. They can't stand the beautiful music, so it clears them off the streets. It's actually working. That's, that's I mean, addiction is nothing to be 
sneezed out. Addiction is a, it's a disease. It's horrible. It's a horrible disease and uh, focusing on helping addicts, mm. in my opinion, mm. is, is a far more powerful policy move. However, you've also got to look after the, the, the majority population who aren't addicts. Yeah. And filling the streets with opera is not a bad thing. I think it's working. I don't know. Goodness. Yeah. I remember, who was that band from Frank? 28 Days or from Frank? My girlfriend dated the DJ in it and I lived with him for a year. He's a good mate of mine, Jedi. Oh, that right. hysterical. That is wild. And my girlfriend is still dating Hep, the guitarist of 28 Days. I'm totally affiliated with those Same boys. girl or other girl? Oh, two, two of my girlfriends dated guys out of that band and one of them's still with him. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I toured with those guys. You did not. I did. Oh, with wow. Channel V, we toured with them. They're fun. That's a word for it. <laughs> Ten years, about 12 years ago now. Yep. That's a while ago. How fun days. I look back and I wish it was always still. Sometimes I wish it was as easy as it was back then. I don't know. It was really hard for me. Was it? Yeah, you were in a different place. You were working with them and on tour working with them. I was part of the, the gang. You know, it was our friends. It was just so fun. Jumping right. off tour buses, travel around Sydney. So much fun, free. You know, early twenties. You just like who cares? Like, yeah. twenty eight days. It was a time before neighbours. A time before the public eye. Yeah. Well, no, I was sort of doing a bit of stuff. I'd sort of started doing TV hosting. I think I was eighteen. I started doing the night racing at Mooney Valley. Right. Um, sort of live, you know, audience talking about horse racing. Knew nothing about it. My dad was into horse racing, but I, I knew little. He would teach me. He'd drive me up because I didn't have my license yet. He'd drive me up to Mooney Valley and give me all my horse tips for the night and tell me which jockeys were who and I'd jump out and I'd get dressed up and go down and talk to thousands of people. I think sometimes it was connected through Sky. It was amazing I got this gig. I couldn't believe it. I knew nothing of what I was doing and they gave me a microphone and winged it for eight years. That was one of my first gigs. So that was a, it's unbelievable how I got that job. I still don't know. but it, Did you yeah. ever put any bets on? Yeah, I got so into it. And then I was the, you know, the face of Victorian night racing. It was kind of like a big deal for a long time and I was all affiliated in the races and cups and it became a big part of my life. I am so grateful to that first gig. Someone just handed me a mic and went, you can do it. I went, okay. How did you get it? Audition. They took me down one day and said, come dressed up in a nice, you know, frock and come down, stand in the winner's circle and hold a mic and talk about horses. And dad goes, do this, this and this and this. So I did. All, I think I was 17. I don't think I was 18 yet. And I did. I had so many balls back then. <laughs> but I think there's also, when I look at like that part of my career or, or anyone who's young, when I think about you know the people that I was interviewing that were in bands that were quite young, it's like it just doesn't occur to you to question your ability. I think that sometimes, you know, I was talking about this earlier with a friend, but ignorance is bliss. When the, the less you know sometimes, the easier it is. I had no idea what I was doing, and it worked out beautifully. <laughs> you must have an amazing, well, you must have had some incredible millinery. Uh, you have no idea. Like it's the that's hats, folks. The <laughs> it's a big deal in Australia. Horse racing's a big deal in Australia. All right, they don't and get it over here, so I don't talk about it very. No, often. they don't quite. Like horse racing here is sad man in a tracksuit at Hollywood Park, yeah. putting his children's college money. Not to say that doesn't happen in Australia, but in Australia, we dress up it's to gamble our families. <laughs> well, you know how big the racing is, like in Australia. It's yeah. the number one sport over here. I've been to Flemington. It's, the, yeah, you get it. 110,000 people in tuxes. Yeah. It's a big gig. Loose. 
Yeah. It's a little different now they do it over here, but yeah, it's bizarre. It's sort of like, Where are all those hats now? Oh, I think a, little, a lot of the time I was sponsored. I was so lucky back then. Everything just came to me. I'd, people design outfits for me. I remember Versace blending me stuff. Wow. It was hysterical. Just, yeah. Now, so let me just rewind for a second. You wanted to go to dance school. Why, why was it I'm going to be a dancer? Always was. Started out as a little girl as a dancer. Just always wanted to be some sort of performer and dancing sort of came naturally. My mum was a dancer. So she put me through dance school and, and I just was like, I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to be a cheerleader and I'm going to be on that billboard. I'm going to be on the... I had this like vision board in my head since I was really little for what I wanted to accomplish in Melbourne. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be a cheerleader. I wanted to dance. You know, I had these things. And with that not knowing of sort of knowing and not having any fear, I ticked off every box. By the time I think I was 22, I ticked off nearly every box I'd had in my head. I wanted to cheerlead, so I cheerleaded for Melbourne Storm Rugby and for the Melbourne Tigers. I was doing the night racing. And then I was like, hmm, I want to be on that billboard at Flinders Street Square. So I did a modelling gig and it was on that. And everything that I – but I didn't put it out there with – it was like that law of attraction. I didn't put it out there um, thinking, how am I going to get it? I just put it out there and went, I'm going to do this and kept happening. And then when I was cheerleading one day, literally one of the managers at IMG, Chris Giannopoulos and Jamie Jury came up and started talking to me while I was cheerleading and like, would you like – to be represented by us. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. You know, manager, cool. Went along, did that. And then they... Jamie Jury, Jamie Jury? Yeah, Jamie Jury, Jamie Jury. And I thank him to this day because they propelled me and they got me set up and I started going in and then I started Coxie's Big Break. I started doing all these TV hosting shows and I'd, one thing led to another. It was, it was a sense of I didn't... I knew what I wanted and I had no idea how I was going to get there, but just knowing was enough to make Jamie Jury rock up and say, hey, Nick, while I'm in my cheerleading outfit with my pom-poms, start talking to me. He's worn wars. Don't, he's worn way worse, don't worry. Hysterical. I and run into less. him sometimes. God, he's funny. I've seen him perform. I saw him perform when he was dating um, a friend of my ex-girlfriend's. We went and saw him at Broncos Leagues. Hysterical. And I want to promise you, I don't know, there's like 15 blokes on stage, so like, you know, 30 pecs and uh, <laughs> how many abs? Six, 60, for six, six, 90 abs. Um, he was the best dancer out of all of them, hands down. Like, by far the best dancer out of all of them. I've got to say, whatever Jamie does, he does it and he commits. Yeah. I mean, he's done so well. So. So let me just ask for a second. So. That discipline that – because that's the interesting thing that people don't may not realize about dance is it just requires so much physical discipline and hours and hours and hours of repetition yeah. to nail. Having that in your, in your quiver, how did that serve you? I think having a family that really hardworking family and I am really grateful. I have mum and dad are still together. I have a really great family for the most part and – they have an extremely strong work ethic. And if we wanted something, we had to go and work. We had to find a way to make the money to do it. They didn't have the money to buy us cars and put us through particular courses. So if I wanted something, I had to find a way to get it and I had to go get jobs. And I remember when everyone was out partying, I was like, no, 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 but I know I've got to do this. I, I would be working at the jean shop. I'd be working at Osmosis, saving up my money um, to buy my first car to get myself so I could drive to the races. 
Um, and there was one thing led to another, and the only way I was going to do it was by working and making money. So if you want something bad enough, you will find a way. You get up and work, and you'll do. I did promo work for years. I worked at the Grand Prix. I was one of those girls. I did all that. You find ways to do things, and every single little thing I did led back to something else. Um, people I met along the way rang me five years later and went, I met you at the Grand Prix. You were a grid girl or whatever they were called back then. Do you want to host this for us? And I was like, yeah, I knew it had a reason why I was doing it. Everything makes sense. So saying yes at that stage of my life was really important. I don't say yes as much anymore. I've changed, you know, things change as you get older, but I was so open and free and it opened so many doors. And yeah, I worked my ass off. If there was, I, there was, I was doing 10 different jobs a week of different promos, modeling jobs, this and that. I was too short. To, Vivian's took me on, Vivian's model management. They're like, you're too short, but we'll take you on. I was like, I'll do it. I'll stand tall. You know, I would literally believe that much in myself that it, it just happened. I mean, it's hysterical. I think I was the shortest girl in the books at Vivian's. Like, but I was like, let's do this. You know, fine, I'll be a swimwear model. You know, whatever, let's do it. You know, <laughs> so just kept going and it just one thing led to another. The de- mum said when I was born I was very determined. So I don't know if there's, I think going back to your initial question three hours ago, um, where you, do you get the work ethic or whatever it was, sort of the drive? or. Well, my question was more like, and thank you for sharing that because a lot of people see a pretty girl on the telly, and I'm sure you've had to deal with this your whole career. Mm-hmm. They see a pretty girl on the telly and they'll make assumptions how she got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you've just unpacked that. Mm. in a really concise way. It's like the yeah. only reason you ever saw me because I worked my balls off Yeah, to be there. Yeah. Um, so I'll come back to my question, but I want to ask two little quick questions. What kind of car was it that you bought? A Toyota Corona station wagon yes. piece of shit that it was like so... We, we used to go to the drive-in and rip open the back, you know, down in Dramana. We used to take it up to the lawn to the festivals. My little car, that thing ran like you got no idea. Could it do jumps? Like jumping over, it couldn't have handled it. Could it do circles? Could it got burnouts. Yeah, we used to do. <laughs> I had to drive through lawn. You know those big hills in lawn at the band festival. That thing, it survived. It was beautiful. Yeah. How was it in the mud out the back of? Beautiful. Handled it well. <laughs> Skidded around. All right, and I just want to quickly touch on one thing before we move on. Uh, you said I'm going to be on that billboard in Flinders Street mm. in Melbourne, which is the main. Uh, it's like right across the road from the train station. Yep. Like it's a, it's a massive public thoroughfare. It's a very public city. It's not like Los Angeles. People actually walk around in Melbourne. Mini uh, New York. <clears throat> yeah, kind of. Um, when you looked up and saw that billboard, was there a sense of completion or did it pass and you go, okay, what's next? I went, I, I ticked a box in my head and went, what's next? Right. And Didn't sit in or sink in or? You know, um, people always say stop and smell the roses and I always say, yeah, do we got to really embrace where you're at? And I think being in LA, which we'll get to later, I've had to do that a bit. Um, but when you're that young and you're that determined, you tick a box and you go to the next thing. And that's how I was like, you know, I remember I didn't get paid a lot of money for it, but I was like, it, it wasn't even about money. That's the funniest thing. I just, I just needed money to survive, to get to the next thing. I remember doing crazy gigs, jobs and stuff, working eight hours for a hundred dollars and then giving my agent like 20% sort of you know, walking away with 60 bucks and like going, I don't care, you know, after tax and stuff, I made 60 bucks, but that's going to pay for my gas to get me to the next job. Like that was how my brain worked. And a lot of people around me didn't function that way. They were just sort of, eh, you know, and that was fine. 
but this was the way my bloody brain worked and hence the fact I'm now living in <laughs> drove me to Hollywood. So, But I think you wouldn't be here. And often people, people often ask about what the kind of Australians that get here. I mean, it's hard to stay here. They make it very difficult with the visa situation to be here. So the kind of people that you meet here, and this is not blowing smoke up my own ass or anything in any way, shape or form, but you have to, it was, I relate it to Brisbane where I grew up. You have to have reached a certain escape velocity to even get out of Brisbane. So by the time you get to Sydney, you've already got this thing that got you out of Brisbane. It like yeah. Sydney people just drove down the street. Yeah. Well, took the train they always took and then walked another K to get to the gig. But to get out of Brisbane, we had, you had to be better than the best of the best to, to get out of there. That goes for any musician, artist, anybody that came out of You have to have it. such a reason to get the hell out of there, something internally in your soul, your being, whatever it is. And I think later in life you realise what that is. Why the hell was I running? What was I running from? But there's that thing inside you that steers you so hardcore to get you out of a place. I knew that I had to be a, a certain standard to get here. I knew I needed to have things under my belt. When neighbours came around, I was I had my suitcases packed coming to LA. I'd finished Cox's Big Break, the TV show, um, which was a wonderful gig to be a part of for three years. I'd never acted in my life. And I literally had bought my ticket to LA and my agent rang and said, would you like to audition for Neighbours? And I went, well, I do want to become an actress, so I'll give it a crack. Of course, I got the gig and unpacked my suitcases and like, I'll do this and get my acting chops happening and uh, this will set me up for LA. So wait a second here. Um, just very quick, this is Nikki Whelan. You can follow her on Twitter, Nikki with a Y, Whelan, W-H-E-L-A-N. Um, tell me about when you first became aware that Los Angeles was in the path. When I was four. Huh? Oh, yeah. I used to pretend to be American. I would do this really bad American accent. My mum's like, what is your infatuation with America? There was a show on TV called From Rags to Riches, and I was like, I'm going to be in America. I mean, I don't know. I just was one of those little girls that was obsessed with performing, and I had this thing with America, and since I've lived here, I, whether you believe in past lives or not, I've definitely lived here before. I've been weird things have happened since living here that I've gone, ooh, this is triggering something from not this life. But uh, I don't know. That was my calling. So I always wanted to come here. And I wasn't so desperate to get here in my early 20s. I knew that I needed to do some stuff. in. I had some boxes I needed to tick in Melbourne. I needed to bring a folio over here. I gathered that. And I tried to come over a couple of times. I traveled over here a lot, made some great connections, but kept coming back, doing my work, doing my time in Australia. And it was painful because a lot of when you say sort of in my mid twenties, I was like, I just want to go. When I booked neighbours, I cried my eyes out because I had planned a life in America, but then I'd been given it to be an opportunity to become an actress on a great show that started so many careers. And I went, I'm going to do the time. So I unpacked, and I there's sacrifices along the way. What was it like when you first got off the plane at LAX down the street and you came here? The first I travelled here for years and just to party and come here for like I used to come over here for three days at a time like let's go to LA and I'd fly all my friends over for three days when I first got here and got off the plane to live here hang on what kind of parties where you fly your friends over like you and your friends would go let's go I was like who's going to LA let's go to LA for three or four days I got three or four days off let's go and we would come over here and we'd land on sunset and just you, you we needed it we'd find it what are you like 19 about yeah 20 21 from there about onwards yeah wow. 
And I dated a guy over here, um, one of the crusty demons of dirt. Yeah, I was dancing on their tour in Australia. Frankston. Such a frangabogan. But that's what drew it in. I mean, God bless Frankston. Like motorcycles. I know this. Dated a motorcyclist that lived in Riverside, California, which we avoid, as we know. But uh, And so I started traveling out here with him. My first trip to America was with him to visit him and his family out here. And I got a bit of a taste of L.A. then. Um, through the motorcycling world. So I have great respect for the X Games. You know, I became really affiliated in that world for a while and loved it and, you know, got up to Sunset Boulevard and went, this, some stuff can happen here. So my goal, you know, became about coming here. But the first day that I arrived in LA to live, I remember as clear as day. I was on the plane with Rove McManus. He was sitting <laughs> on the plane with me and he's like, hey, Nick, you're on the way to LA? And I went, I'm moving, this is it. Like I'd left neighbours, I'm on my way. And I landed and I got into my apartment and uh, burst into tears. Because? What the hell am I doing? It's real now. Mum and Dad and my sisters and my incredible foundation are over the other side of the world. Um, I don't have an agent. What the hell am I doing here? And where's this closest supermarket? I'm hungry. And I've I've got this amount of money in my bank account, which is evaporating daily. Yeah, and... uh, Luckily, I was dating someone at the time um, who was very generous and had loaned me a car. So I had a car, but I'd never driven. And a friend of mine was ever in America. And a friend of mine had rang me. I rang a friend of mine that I'd known here from traveling here who lived in Manhattan Beach on the first day I got here. And I rang him and I said, I think I've made the biggest mistake of my life. He goes, I'm in Manhattan, come down. I got on the freeway and I cried the whole way to Manhattan Beach. And I pulled up at his house and went, I think I've made a mistake. He said, you're going to be all right. Stayed down there for a couple of days, went back to my apartment and uh, got on with it. We're going to come back to that day because I do want to talk to you about Neighbours. Um, what what does being on a show like... I know I've done an episode of Neighbours. Yes, you have. One episode. Was I on that episode with you? We were in the episode together. You probably don't remember because I had long extensions and I was bouncing around. I was mental. I'm the polar opposite person to who I am now. You, that's probably why we're like, huh? Hang on a second. Like... Pepper. I don't drink anymore. And I, so there's a lot of my life that's quite blurry. We were in the kitchen. We were, I did a scene with you? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I know I was in that scene. And I, all I remember about being in that day was that Ian and Tom, they're, they're like two like stalwart actors. They've been on there for 150 years each whenever the camera wasn't rolling, were being the filthiest, yeah. most reprehensible old men. Hysterical. Wow, I can't... I've, okay. I don't even remember. We deserve... I've just, the only reason why is because part of my green card package, my folio, is a photo of you and I and Ian and the whole gang and neighbours set. Get out! I should have bought it, yeah. It's beautiful. I would have had ridiculous hair at the time. Blonde. I think yeah, you're blonde. I was blonde and insane. Oh, are you kidding me? I was in a mini skirt with hair down to my ass. I mean, extensions, mental case. Yeah, we're both mental. It's fine. Oh, we're, live, wow. we're down in Venice now. Everything's okay. Because that was such a. I was so scared that day because I'm a terrible actor. And I, I just. Um, thankfully, my friend Jet was directing. Jet, who's been Love on this Jet. show, she's the greatest. Her episode of this show is amazing. Her story yeah. is incredible. But what I remember about that day was just that wow, you've really got to have your shit together because she does not 
take any time. There's no fucking around. It's like we have one for blocking, we'll do it twice, and then we're on to the next scene. Let's go, let's go, let's go. The beautiful thing about Neighbours is that is what you walk into and there's something that sets you up as an actor for the rest of your life. When you've got Jet, I remember doing a week with Jet and the night before we were shooting at night and we wrapped at seven and she looked at me and she goes, I'm sorry, they've changed the script. By tomorrow morning you need to learn three of these monologues. She goes, I know you can do this. I'd never acted before. And she had so much faith in me. I came back on that day and I nailed it. She's a great girl, great woman to work with. So how would you describe what Neighbours does for your acting? Like just that kind of repetition. You learn, you, you work your ass off, you work six days a week, full time, there's nothing left. You're up at four, you're home by seven, driving out to Nunna Wadding or wherever it is. They're quite a ways away. It's a far. It's far out in the suburbs of Melbourne, and they're like the white, whitest middle class, far away suburbs of Melbourne. You learn to work with other people. You learn how to. You learn the basic chops of acting, and it does go out to fifty-two countries. And it's it's a. You get exposure, and you know, yeah, you're working on a low budget. You're sharing a change room with fifteen other women, but I didn't know any different. I didn't know what was. I didn't really care. I was getting opportunity to be an actress. I did one audition. I mean, Jan Russ to this day is my, I, I wrote to her recently. Um, she was helping me with some letters and I just, I'm so grateful. She literally looked at me and goes, I'll take you on, let's do this. You get an opportunity and Neighbours is great. I'm a huge fan of that show and you think of everyone that's come through it. You learn work ethic, you learn scripts, um, to work in front of cameras, all the basic requirements um, you learn and you, yeah. I think sometimes in ways I probably left a little early. Um, because I could have always done with some more time on it, but there was something was offered to me here, and I was like, I, you know, and neighbours were very gracious in letting me go and move on to an opportunity here. But I mean, it's a great place. It's a great place. What do you remember about your life? I mean, the folks from the night racing, maybe some people might have seen you at the supermarket. Going, oh, yeah, that girl. Do you remember when the public <laughs> recognition started after neighbours? Um, a little bit because I went to London to do a uh, a charity event over there and I was walking down the street in London, one of those busy, crazy places and a few people were like, Pepper, Pepper. And I was like, oh, yeah. I, was un- I don't – I'm very oblivious. I, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I'm very oblivious to it. I'm so not aware of that stuff. I think maybe in my early 20s when I did, you know – People in town in Melbourne knew me because I was doing Melbourne-based TV shows. But there was never an attachment to being recognised. There was never a, people are going to know me when I get here. I used to, you know, go to clubs and line up and they're like, no, Nick, come up the front. I was like, oh, thank you. Like, I'd, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't a part of my thought process. Some people make it part of their thought process. It's never been, I'm getting recognised. I was still thinking, how am I going to get to this club Where's the back door? Where's the owner? How do we get in here? Like I wasn't thinking, maybe they might recognize you and let you in. I was always thinking like, how do we get in? Breaking in the back door, you know, like, so I could, probably could have used it a little more back then, but I didn't. I don't know. No, I was actually more just asking about like, do you remember when, oh wow, these people are kind of just staring at me while I'm just trying to do my groceries. I don't know. I don't know. No? Maybe they were. All right. I was, I'm, I was just like super aware of it. You were flooded with fame. So you, everyone knew who you, when you're Australia wide, 
So your face is a face that... Well, so are you. Like, you're on every day. You're at 6 o'clock every night on Neighbours. Come on. All year long. But if you look at me now and how I... I mean, I I never... I didn't dress like Pepper. I didn't look like I went off. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Fair enough. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. um, So you you land in Los Angeles. You're here. You're not just partying on Sunset. You're no longer with the Metal Militia dudes. I love that you know Metal Militia. Huh? I love that you said Metal Militia. You really know the Krusty Demons. Well, it was... I just remember hearing stories about those guys. I was like, like, I can't imagine (laughs) the kind of parties you would have been at. (laughs) I remember them. I was never a big drinker. I drank, but I was never a big drinker. Never had a drug in my life. Never touched a drug. So I'm one of those people that remembers the parties. What really went on. No one else does. I do. I went on tour with them. I was part of the, the dancers. I was one of the dancers in the tour. So I witnessed, I've witnessed too much. I think I've seen enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a, a rock and roll show, all right, as far as what, what, I, what I recall of going to see them. It's like a rock and roll show in that, yeah, there's, there's groupies. It is horrendous. It's amazing. Wow, what a world. Fabulous. What memories. Like, so glad I don't live in it now. But damn. Like, I loved that chunk of my life. Did you ever have a, a penchant for, like, at one of those after parties to walk up to a particularly vulnerable young woman and go, you, this night's not going to end well for you. You may want to leave. You, you see so much stuff go down in those places. You really do. And then living, as you know, in Hollywood and being exposed to it on another level. And I dated a musician in the past and been on tours with, you know, them and... You, you get exposed to a lot of stuff. It's pretty, um, yeah, you, you get concerned for the groupies. You go, just almost famous. It's not going to work out how you think it's going to work out, Dylan. Just know yeah. what you're in for. Know that when you get off the tour bus, it's goodbye. Yeah. This is not a lifestyle. This is a chapter. Oh, I, um, I actually knew a girl uh, who did that. I, I don't know, you would just t- t- talked about almost famous, famous, she would be a Band-Aid. And she'd always say, it is what it is, and it isn't what it isn't. Exactly. So I would ask her, how do you, how do, you do this? She's like, it is what it is, and it's it isn't what it is. It's that beautiful part of your brain, the childlike brain that says, live once, and I'm going to go on this journey, and I know that it's not going to be my foundation, but I'm going to tell my kids about this adventure. I've done lots of them. Good. You've got to have those kind of adventures to inform your experience, to inform your life as far as I'm concerned. Best adventures. It adds colors to your palette. Otherwise, you're painting, you know, with primary colors. Yeah, no, there's you, no primary colors left. <laughs> no, you've got you to yeah. have it all. Stop before it just gets to brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never got to brown. I've got to say, I, I was never, I never, you know, I... I wasn't, I'm very, I mean, we've all got addictions and we've all got things in our lives, but I never was a, a drug taker. I was never a heavy drinker. So I, you know, I get to remember a lot of those adventures. What was it? I mean, I'm sure like for me, drugs were just the, like, just everybody was doing it because Brisbane was boring. Yeah. Um, why was there no appeal there for you? I um, tried pot when I was a kid and I had a really bad panic attack. And um, didn't like that. And then a few years later when I was 18, I was at a party and my drink was spiked. Oh, God. And I hallucinated for about three days. And I remember just going, what? And why do people pay to feel this way? 
I hallucinated for three days. It was the most scariest three days of my life. I thought I was going to die. And I never, never, ever, ever had a need after that to touch it. I can understand why people go there. I can understand depression. I, can, I really can. I can totally understand the need, uh, the void that needs to be filled with addiction. I get it. But it just wasn't. Um, I was so addicted to my work and I loved what I did so much. That was my addiction. So I could go out and party till seven in the morning sober and I'd get up and I'd walk onto set and be sharper than anyone else on set. So my work was my addiction in a way. Well, if you've got to have one, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, but then you get lost in that too. Yeah. It, well, we are all going to hell in we'll a have our own thing. <laughs> um, just on two things. Like, A, I wish that after my first marijuana related panic attack, I went, I had that vision going, oh, this sucks. Because with me, I was very much like Bart reaching for the electrified cupcake. I was like, ow, ow. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Maybe it won't happen this time. You know, they talk about the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Well, that was that was definitely me. Okay. And as far as as far as drink spiking is concerned, I I think there's a special kind of hell reserved for men that do that, and it bothers me so much and I really wonder how can men who feel the need to do that be helped because that it's just so damn low that the amount of female friends that I have that have had that happen the amount of times I've had to go to a club get in a car get in a cab go and rescue someone who like the last text they get is like I get is like hey I know I haven't talked to you for a while but I know you're in town and something's just happened get me out of here it's just it's so reprehensible that people would do that. It's uh yeah, I don't uh it's no good. Luckily this wasn't one that knocked me out. Yeah, and, right. You know, it was one that sent me hallucinating. That would have been an, I would have never come back from that. I don't know if I didn't think I was going to. That was in the space I was in for three days. You start to I remember I'd I felt like I was going insane Especially and like, when you got no choice. Did you when did you realise that it would have been fairly quickly, like, oh, this is not good. Well, it was this crazy party and it cost money to get in. It was New Year's Eve. Oh. And everyone was like, and I was trying to find warm water. I was trying to find, I wasn't even drinking. I was trying to find, I was drinking this water in the fridge and I, I, I was sort of drinking people's drinks and stuff. And and then within an hour, I started to um, just might hallucinate, see stuff. I felt I started pulling out my hair and I, because I started, couldn't feel. So I started pulling out my hair to see if I could, like, Am I like, like I couldn't feel my body and were you with the guy? How I, was did with you get a, I was with a guy that I was dating at the time, and he uh, goes. I said, "Get me to my sister," and she was at a pub down the road. And I remember I was walking into the pub, and everyone's going ten, nine, eight, doing the countdown. And I walked in, and I looked at her, and I saw her across the room, and I was a mess. I was throwing up. I was so out of it, and she threw her drink. And ran as it hit midnight and grabbed me and took me outside and went, what is going on? And I said, I think I'm going to die. I, I'm going to I'm going to die. And they sat up with me for a night and then I ended up in the hospital and the hospital ended up having to literally put me out to to knock me out of the state that I was in. It, yeah. was, it was horrific. To protect you. Thank God you had that. To, yeah, they had that. Because the kind of damage me. that can happen psychologically when you're in that space yeah. is horrendous and permanent without a shadow of a doubt that's yeah so in a way i thank that three-day mentalness because it, i've never touched a drug in my life since and never. fair call yeah jesus so. that's a heavy story Da-da. sorry no 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 it's fine I'm, I'm 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 grateful you shared it because 
I know, like I told you, I know people would have had their drinks spiked and it's yeah. just, it's such a, there's not even an, a, an adjective to describe how, how low I consider it as a thing to do to another person. And I just wonder how. What's the drive? What, what's the relationship that this man has with his mother? What's the, you know, what, what does he get off? How does he, it's how a, can he be helped? It's a very, very dark human being that's, yeah. that's um, in such need and in such a dark place that they need to drag people down their rabbit hole with them. So, yeah, you know, in life you meet those people. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't share drinks with them. So, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. My goodness. So, you you I love a non-linear story. Uh, so, <laughs> so like back and forth. You're driving back from Venet from Manhattan Beach. You've had your three days in uh, of 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 decompression. You know, it's like when you get to Bolivia and you sit there in the hotel for a little while before you walk any higher up the mountain. And fair call because it's it's intense when you get here and you suddenly realise I really am. I'm on the island now. Yeah. And I've only got this much money to last me for this long. Yeah. Um. When you're driving back from Manhattan Beach. Obviously, you wouldn't have left that apartment until you felt, right, This is here we go. Was there a there, shift? There was a, okay, be a big girl. Because LAX is on the way from Manhattan Beach to where you were living. So you could have well and truly stopped. Funnily in. enough, coming home was never an option. Mm-hmm. I was scared of that because it was such a, I think at the time it was so public that I had left mm-hmm. and uh, who I was dating at the time and stuff that, you know, that was another driving force to I will make this happen. And... uh I got back to the apartment and, you know, I knew a few crew and a friend of mine came and stayed with me and, you know, so I, I got through it. I remember I walked into the supermarket for the first time and went, this ain't like Coles. Mm-hmm. So uh, sugar in everything. everything. It was great. Um, so I did, I remember, you know, everything, it was like being Which a Which is it Rock and Roll Ralph's on the Brea? It was Ralph's down on 3rd. Down opposite the Grove. We're else on third. Yeah. Yeah, the dodgy one next to the Kmart. Oh, so dodgy. Yeah. I lived at the Palazzo next door. Oh, of course you yeah. did. Yeah. Um, and I just, it was, it was like a fish out of water. Yeah. If people don't realize, it's not like you get off and, ah, oh, here you are. The yeah, they're not handing out series regulars at LAX, just in case you're listening to this and thinking that's how it works. It doesn't. The supermarket's different. They drive on the other side of the road. The quality of life is very different. You're in a town that is purely based on work. Yep. There isn't people that are... You know, gatherings. I'd finish neighbours and come home. My mates would be at my apartment cooking dinner and would be talking about normal stuff. It does. I came into a place where you live and breathe Hollywood. So I. It's an have, industry town. It's an which industry is town. A big part of the reason why I love living here. I love waking up, and there's probably about ten percent of the people in the industry that I work in grew up in LA or grew up in Southern California. Ninety percent have all moved here. Everyone's moved yeah. here for the same reason. I love that I wake up in the morning and people are not here to fuck around. Yeah. Like, this is what we're all here for. If yeah. not, we'd all be back home with our family and friends. No. This is why we're here. But I'm a big girl that's big on family and foundation and friends. So moving to a city where it's purely based industry, I want to come home to the foundation. So I had to start rebuilding my foundation so that I could survive off screen. Mm-hmm. which was probably the biggest challenge Yeah, was, okay, it's easy to get work here and it's easy to go out and hustle. That was the easy part for me. My struggle was where's the foundation in, in Hollywood? I think that's what you, you get hit with that at some stage when you're here. So a couple of trips home never hurt. I was lucky in that I arrived here and my ex-wife had already been in this country for 
like six years, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I got here. And all her mates are all the Israelis in LA anyway. And they're <laughs> super tight. Yeah. So every Friday, uh, it was Shabbat dinner. So that every Friday, there's 40 people. You had that gathering. You had that sense of, this yeah. This instant community already. Yeah. And that was a big part of what, you know, was super welcoming about being here. It was like yeah. suddenly there's all these people that are around and yeah. great. And unfortunately, what happens when that those kind of relationships end um, as I had not been, I've been very complacent in building my own relationships independently. So when that relationship ended, I was super alone because I hadn't taken the time to build that initial cultivate my own yeah. friends outside of that circle. I just stayed mates with her mates, and that was my fault completely. Because when they ended, then I'm like, I was like so alone. It had showed how much you would, how little you'd put on actually yeah. building. You'd just. But that's I'd, fine. We I'd do neglected that. the whole thing. Yeah. But I was super alone. Yeah. And so I know exactly what you're saying. I did try to make friends with Australians for a long time, but they would all fuck off after pilot season. I'm like, why am I your friend? You're just going to leave in April. I haven't really hung out with an Aussie since I've moved here. I've, I've only just started, like the last six months. Have you? I only just started. And then Aussies who live here in Venice Beach because yeah. most of them aren't actors. <laughs> Stay away from the actors. Because <laughs> they go. They arrive. On the 90-day visa, yeah. I'm going to pick up an agent. I'm going to get a manager. I'm going to book that series. And then when it's not happening, like, oh, I'm going to go back and do this show. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. That's great. But you can't find a stable friend there. You're like, where are you leaving me? Yeah. Totally. So I remember going to one party one time and there was all these dudes now who are like, and now I drive down Sunset and I'm like, They're on every building. you're 115 feet high on the side of the building at Sunset Plaza. I really should have stopped and said hello to you. <laughs> yeah, right. But like, honestly, they would just come and go so much. It was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, why? Um, Life of a gypsy. Yeah. So it, it is tough. So how do you then discern who becomes, because your friends become your family then when you're far from home. Mm-hmm. How do you discern who stays and who goes? And surely like, you are exposed to certainly with the backstage elements of the motocross and the musicianship musician that you were with, you would have been exposed to people who were just there because there's shiny bright lights. Mm. How do you discern who comes into the inner circle? You make about 12 billion zillion gazillion mistakes and you learn the hard way. And if it doesn't kill you, you figure out who you are and what you want and then those people show up in your life. <laughs> that's, that's how I think it sort of has been. And I think that's how it always is in life. I think the more you know who you are is the more of who you'll bring into your life. You'll, I think everyone mirrors, not to get too like deep. Even but like, but this I is where there, we are. But this is where we go. This is what I I'm here for. Here. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. this is, you know, this is the conversation we have. So you mirror in who, where you're at. So I had lots of flaky people and lots of all sorts of different people and I never understood why they were in my life and why that person would lie or that person would cheat or and some stayed and some went. My best friend that was here, you know, did some pretty crazy things to me and our friendship went different ways and I, I learnt the hard way and it was a good reflection on just how lost I was in a lot of ways and the people in my life were reflecting that. So not only was, you know, I'm trying to get work and agent and stay in the game and keep that up, um, I was founding of finding my new family. And after you've had, you know, a great family, an incredible family from Australia, 
decent people to coming to Hollywood, you get a strange variety to choose from. So I can say seven years in, I have an unbelievable foundation of people around me again. But it's, I've got to say that's only been like that the last three years where I have incredible friends here now. It's a, I just have to give you credit because it's, it's a massive shift to realize that things are shitty, not because of the shitty. Things are shitty in your life or the shitty things are coming to you because of you. Yeah. It's a big one to swallow, but it's okay. I think it's like, ah, it's all that talk about, you know, you make peace with the darkness. You sort of go, okay, who, it's that question, who am I? You know, and it's, I think I love about LA and forever will be grateful is when you're brought here, I say you either stay and find out who you are or you go home. And, um, geez, as many times as you think you want to go home, that thing in me. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. From when I was a child is like, no, I'm going to find out who I am and I'm finding out. LA has made me into the best version of myself. It's shown me the ugliest side of myself but it's also shown me the best side of myself. And I think you need you. That's the, that's been my journey. The work's amazing. I love my job, but the work's not a reflection of, um, it's a little bit of a reflection of who I am, but you, you know, as an actress, you start bringing in different roles at different times of your life every year, but definitely who you bring into your life is a reflection of where you're at. And when you start realizing that you can make some adjustments to what feels good. It's definitely a crucible for, for your personality like it'll definitely just magnify they say that you know the camera magnifies your emotion LA magnifies your emotion and without a doubt I am who I am because I came to this city yeah Um, in many ways that in the same way in the smallest way smaller way that I became a different version of myself when I was living in, in Bondi Beach in Sydney like that time in my life really informed you know who I who I became and who I grew into, and certainly when I came here, the pressures of the city, what's available in the city, um, the kind of support that's available in the city, definitely, without a doubt, I'm I I concur entirely that mm. you know this really is it's the very 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 big mirror this city. It will make you address things that you may have not addressed in your past. In Australia, I was so busy working, I had to give away TV work. I had to give away hosting gigs. I was so on top of the game, you know. I was investing in this and that. I had a beautiful penthouse, 
cars, I'd making money, I'd really worked hard. I, I was so busy working and my life was flourishing, but my personal life had had no attention because I was so busy and so I had a great career. And when I came to LA and realized that I had a new format to how you work and you've got to start from the bottom like you do in Australia, um, I didn't think it was going to be like that. And so in all the downtime, I was forced to face my personal life. And when you're forced to face your personal life in LA, it's probably one of the hardest places in the world to do it. So it will knock you down. And then you start questioning, am I supposed to be, be an actress? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed Yes, I'm supposed to be an actress. This is what I've always done and this is what I will always do. It's what I love. But LA is giving me an opportunity to face my personal life. The downtime when you're not acting. Australia, a lot of people go home to their foundation. I stayed here and went, oh no, I'm going to find every spiritual healer. I'm going to go out and meet every hippie and talk to every person and face me. So it's beautiful. There's, there's, there's this beautiful growth here. It's the magic dust if you can see the magic in the darkness in LA, then I think you you win in a way, or you you can evolve you can evolve here, but it's not an easy yeah. ground to evolve. What on. you're describing though is the converse, because it is a hell of a place to go down the rabbit hole. Yes, uh, of which I almost slipped into. I managed to get out by the skin of my fingernails. Um, well done. But I've seen I've certainly seen people disappear off the edge here. Yeah, and. Cocaine is cheap in this town. <laughs> Apparently. I don't you know, wouldn't know that, but I, it's like, it never really worked for me. Um, yeah. I can see why people do it. I've been around. The funny thing is the people in my life are heavy. I've had a lot of people in my life that are heavy drug users and the things I've seen and been around. And the, I, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's not okay, but you can understand the darkness when you're in that dark place. Do you want to face yourself or you want to sedate it? Well, there's, you know, there's, there's always a guy in his 40s with a Lamborghini <laughs> in a bag in his pocket that is more than happy to take a pretty young girl to dinner. Yeah. You know? Mm. And if the pretty young girl's not getting attention from, you know, the work that she came here to do, it's like, well, this is attention. I feel famous. I'm sitting in this car. I'm yeah. I'm going to this fancy restaurant. I'm here mm -hmm. with this guy who I don't really find that attractive, but I'm here and he's mm. introducing me to these people and oops, a daisy and I'm in a spa bath and oops, a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hell of a place to fall down the rabbit hole. Yeah, you can be... All those songs are real. <laughs> Bob Seger's Hollywood Nights is real. It makes sense. It's all here. Under you the are... Bridge is a real story. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people go down the rabbit hole because their childhood, their foundation, from when they were little, their morals, God bless, sometimes weren't as stable as the next person, so you can be easily influenced. I have such a solid family that yeah, yeah. if I, if anyone seen, saw me going down the rabbit hole, I had people in my life on Skype going, snap the fuck out of it. Or you come home. I had people come over here. My mum came and stayed with me for a while and cooked me food and was like, this is how you eat, remember? This is what you do. I have had that. A lot of people escape their country and come to Hollywood for fame and attention with no foundation. And those are the poor buggers that do go down the rabbit hole. Um, and I'm, I'm around that more than ever, every day of my life, around these kinds of personality types. And um, I have great, great, great compassion because when you, you can't judge these people, where they've come from um, and why they make the decisions they've made, it's... Hollywood will give you the best of the best. But the next morning, 
you know, you, the Hollywood's not around you. You're in your apartment by yourself. Are you okay with just that? Yeah, on Las Palmas and, and Santa Monica. And Santa Monica, walking up to Starbucks by yourself. Are you okay? No, because you needed last night to keep you happy. Yeah, right. So I think you need to, yeah, you need to find a healthy balance being here. Yeah. Wow, you just, you really, people think, like you, you're really describing the Hollywood experience, like that, that is what is there. But I will say one thing, folks who come out the other side of that darkness, they're like, like NASA would shoot a satellite around a planet to give it a slingshot acceleration. If you can find your way back from that, you've got so much steam behind you, so much momentum. There's people in my life that have been to the darkness and come out the other side and they're just, they're like, it's cool. I've got it now. Like if you make it out of that, you're fine. It's because it takes so much. And it's not even about making, I think, out of the darkness. I think you've got to, you've got to know who your shadow is and you have to make peace with your shadow. Are you talking about like the darkness that exists? The da- well, all of us? sorry, I'm talking like psychological terms. Um, uh, your shadow, that the darkness that lives within all of us, mm-hmm. there is a darkness that lives within all of us and you will be in environments that will trigger it. Everyone in your life is a mirror and they will trigger that darkness in you. And instead of running from the darkness and going, I'm a good person. I'm great. I don't do anything wrong. Oh, you know, I, was trying to run away from all my demons and I don't have crazy ones. I have, you know, I'm very lack. Like I said, I didn't. So relative, babe. We all, all, we have darkness. And instead of running from the darkness, I went, okay, this, this is the shit that's wrong with me. And instead of hating you and trying to put you in a box, I'm going to use you in my work. So I'm going to let the angry Nikki out when I'm required to do an angry scene. So I'm going to, I'm not going to push you away but I'm going to tell you when it's okay to come out and making peace with the darkness. Um, Once you can find a balance with your darkness, sometimes we're actually more afraid of the light than the dark, I think. Um, Because once you make peace with the darkness, once you bring a bit of a little light into it, and you find balance. People think that that balance is scary. It's not. Love the ugly. It's part of who you are. The darkness is like a, it's like a scratchy woolen sweater. You know, it feels a little shitty, but it's kind of warm. So you leave it on because you don't want to be cold. Yeah. Make peace with it and use it. Learn to use it. Learn to use it because sometimes we those beautiful qualities in you and you're told as a little kid, you're not allowed to be angry, you're not allowed to cry, so we don't ever and we hold on and then we get to like an age. Try being a man. Oh, being you poor buggers, you guys aren't that. You're not allowed to cry. Um, you're allowed to cry and you're allowed to, you know, you've got to find a place to let those little things out when they, when they have some room to breathe and you find this little balance and it's yummy. And then you, yeah, you get to slingshot off into the, you know, that's, um, it's never light with me. No, no, no. It's that's always fine, but so heavy. Oh, I'm look, sorry. No, this is what I'm here for. Um, so you can find Nikki Whelan for more of this all day on Twitter at Nikki Whelan, N-I-C-K-Y-W-H-E-L-A-N um, is where she is. You want to you wanna check it right now? I just want to say a tweet that I tweeted this morning. I saw it and I... It just makes sense of what we're talking about. I tweeted this morning. I saw this little quote. You... You just can't beat the person who never gives up. No. Never you, give up. So let's change gears completely. Tell me about you and Star Wars. How do you know? 
my life is Star Wars, the light and dark. My world is Star Wars. Everything in my house is Star Wars. Mum introduced it to us when we were kids. I have every original Darth Vader, Boba Fett, you bloody name it, I've got it. Star Wars made sense. I still think I'm slightly living. When I go to sleep at night, I go you know, into Star Wars and I live there. Um, I'm with Han Solo. We're together. It's my escape. On your way to the Dagobah system to smuggle something. Listen to my phone ring. It's the Cantina song. I mean, my, 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 my text message is, I love you, I know. You know when Han's going down and she, Into the carbonite. Leia's like, I love you. And he's like, I know. God. Han. And then he walked out of that and did Indiana Jones. What a king of men, Han. So... The, the, again, you know, that's, it's such an incredible, it's part of the cultural narrative, this tale of the dark side and the, and, and, and the light, and that the, the two have to exist. Um, do you remember as a kid seeing them in the films? Like, I mean, you're, you're younger than me, you're a fair bit younger than me, so what, you would, have, you would not have been old enough to see the original films in the theatre. No, I was born when they came out, yeah. so it was years later, but my mum was in the movie theatre seeing them all, so she introduced them to us, and it was our weekly, like, when I go away on movies, I take, you know, the set, the original three away with me and I watch them and get inspired still to this day by them. They're, I don't know, there's something at this, they were the only movies that I could ever escape into. Star Wars is, I'm not a Star Trek fan, never seen a Star Trek in my life. I'm one of those. I'm very okay. loyal to my Star That's Wars right. family. Um, I was Princess Leia. Nearly every Halloween, I'm Princess Leia. You know, I, I any opportunity I can. Roby Princess Leia or, or Boba Fett Princess Leia? Slave Princess Leia. Oh, my God. I know. I'm in LA. I'm supposed to be, you know. Hollywood, I mean, Halloween in Hollywood is any excuse for a girl to put on a G-string and be like, I'm this. It's just hysterical. Like, you know. You just put sexy in front of any occupation yeah. and that's it. I'm, I'm sexy traffic pencil cop. And I'm a, <laughs> I don't know. Sexy school teacher. <laughs> Yeah, Slave Princess Leia, I remember as a kid seeing Return of the Jedi just going, there's something deep in the bowels, in the bottom of my belly just tingling like, I don't know why that's hot that she's on a chain. I, don't, I know that she's a pretty girl and I'm supposed to like pretty girls, but that she's restrained? Ooh. Next to Jabber and Salacious B. Crumb and Bib Fortuna, I was also like, oh God, it's so cool. That she's rescued and I have a I have a thing though, like the original three, I don't know, I know people will go, No, it's episode four, five, and six. Thank you. I appreciate that, but I don't care. Um, for me, Empire Strikes Back was just as Such a it's, boy. it's as good as it gets. Such a boy. But up until I tell you why. I tell you why. Because I couldn't stand that they went cute with the Ewoks. Couldn't stand it. Why does everyone have a thing with the Ewoks? Well, They're everyone. Sad. I'm just talking about me. I'm not everybody. I'm only but speaking for myself. I'm only speaking for myself. That they went cute for the Ewoks, yeah. that's when it kind of unraveled for me. And every, like the first half of Return of the Jedi, I'm all about. What about Until Chewie? they get to Endor. Huh? What about Chewie? Until I get to Stop Endor, it. until I get to this is for me. Until okay, I get okay. to it's for you, it's another thing. And the other thing, I haven't watched any of the new ones. You didn't, yeah. No, I'm not interested in the CGI. I'm not interested. I'm, oh, that JJ's on board makes me very happy. We will talk about this. In fact, I have a Star Wars book in here I'll show you later. Uh, my ex-wife got me um, because she knows I'm nerdy. It was um, uh, made by the Foley artists uh, for the original 
uh, first three films. Wow. The sound of, there's Foley is the sound effects, the people, how they make the sound effects. Wow. And it's got all the samples in it. And when you push a button, it, it plays a sound. I had a life-size Yoda. An ex-boyfriend took it. But he was my welcoming party each morning. He would be at the end of my bed. He was a massive Yoda. I, I'm, Star Wars is my escape. What kind of ex-boyfriend steals your Yoda? That was a long story, but he took the Yoda. You know, it's really because he wasn't into Star Wars. I think it was a malicious act because he wasn't into it, and he still. What are you doing, dating it? a boy that doesn't into Star Wars? I know that was already a mistake. Yeah, you're right. So, how did the wisdom of Yoda? Because, inf- like, you can't quite escape the wisdom of those films. How did the wisdom of those films affect you? You didn't realize what you were hearing when you were younger until now. Now that I break down every sentence, I'm like. Oh. Because guess what's happening right now? With your entire, whatever you've just described to me, do or do not. There is no try. There is no try. Everything. I, I, I post so many of the quotes now on Twitter because there's so much depth to that little, those beautiful little movies or big movies, really. Um, I had a moment at a premiere for Hall Pass, a movie I did a couple of years back. And, excuse me, I uh, was at the after party and it was so crazy and busy and it was so overwhelming and some lady was standing next to me and then there was some people taking photos, boom, boom, boom. And I was like, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm being pushed around. Hence I go on wire image the next day. It was Carrie Fisher. (gasps) Ah, You don't understand if I had known Carrie Fisher was standing next to me, I could have probably chained myself to her and just just been with her. It was the biggest mistake of my life that I wasn't aware that Carrie Fisher was standing next to me, but I have a photo with her. Get out. Amazing. Uh, so are you, now you're here in Los Angeles. Are you actively pursuing J.J. Abrams for a role in the new films? You know, people go, it's like, I love Twilight. I'm a Twilight person. I liked Twilight. And I auditioned for Twilight at one stage. And I remember thinking, do I want to be a part of something I thoroughly enjoy and escape into? Um, Star Wars, it's a tricky one. You know, obviously if something came up, it would be amazing. But maybe Star Wars for me is better left as my escape. And being something not to be a part of. I mean, like I don't know. I, it was like when I met Bon Jovi. I was like the biggest mm-hmm. fan in the world. And then I met him. I was like, oh, you're very Bugger. nice. And it ended. I was just listening to Slippery When Wet the other day. Well, this is the thing. I know. This is the thing. It took me. It happened in 2002. It took me until three years ago. It took me nine years until I could enjoy the music again. Maybe he was having a bad day. That's another thing about Hollywood is you have these expectations of these people and situations that you've grown up with, your escapes, and then you meet them and you go, bow, bow. is it <laughs> is it worth meeting all of them? <laughs> That's why when I met Prince, I said two words to him and then walked away. I met Prince and was like, couldn't talk. I was like, yeah. I could barely speak. I managed, oh. I managed, thank that, you. Yeah. That's all I said. I said, thank you. And I got out of there because I'm like, I don't want to. Don't want to ruin it. Don't want to hear anything. Yeah. Don't want to say anything. Just have to just have to leave it. And he's still the greatest of all time. He's amazing. Greatest of all time. So, uh, you can find Nikki on Twitter: N I C K Y Wheelan W H E L A N. Follow her now. Tell her you heard her here. Um, give folks an idea of what because I watch I watch my ex wife go through it. Can you give folks an idea of what? time between January to March is like here in Los Angeles, a time called pilot season. The soul-sucking, constant, no, you're not worthy, 
being pushed in your face than having to get up the next day and do it again. Just, can you give them an idea of what it does to you? Whatever you let it do to you. It's, um, God, you're good. <laughs> Jesus. In my seventh pilot season. Um, just, I don't go into pilot season going, I'm going into pilot season. I go into it going, I'm going to have a few more auditions than usual. And if I book a pilot, I am supposed to book a pilot. The best I can do is show up and know my lines and put my best foot forward. If I don't book a pilot, last year I booked a pilot, shot it, didn't get picked up. I thought my life was over and then finished the year doing three huge, fabulous movies. And I thought if I was doing a TV show right now, I wouldn't be working with these incredible people. And uh, it's a crazy time for a lot of actors. There's a desperation that sits on you. You wake up. I had four auditions in one day the other day and I went, you know what, let's just slow down. Pick your favourite two, give them a good crack and hope for the best. I, I go in with a different headspace because of how mental it's driven me the last you know, five or six years. So I go in now just knowing it's a little busier time of year and maybe there's an opportunity. There's always opportunity to work. There is a job for everybody out there. Um, I have to go in with that headspace. It's my protective headspace because if you don't, if you go in and then you don't book something, you think there's something wrong with you. There are something like thousands of women that show up in this town every day um, wanting the same thing. You just do what you can do, but it is a crazy time. Pilot season, you end up in a babbling mess. I couldn't even believe I booked a pilot last year. The year before that, I'd booked a lead in a huge NBC, fabulous pilot, great opportunity, multicam, had the greatest time. We thought it was going to get picked up. My life would have changed overnight. This show was great. I was the lead. It was unbelievable. Didn't get picked up. Your bank account changes overnight. It's like you're giving a lottery ticket and going, there's 50-50 chance. Now you've got this far and then you don't get it. What, what happens to you when you get – I guess it's always like they make the call at like at five in the afternoon. What's, it, what's it like when you got told we're not going ahead? It's like – Because any, trust it, me, I don't care how balanced you are. You've already bought shit in your mind. Oh. I'd already gone house hunting. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You've already I spent the chosen month. my car. You've spent the checks you haven't been life. paid yet. You d- I did too because I went into I had I had I'd bought a few bits and pieces that I shouldn't have. Um, you become <clears throat> you find a way to deal with it. You, you become resilient to. Re- yeah, I've cried. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes I go. Oh, no, I'm meant to be at this stage at this week in in my life. I'm in a very place of just, I'm in a different place to how I used to be. It's just on where you're at in your life and how you're going to cope with it. Um, This is what I do for a living. When I go and audition, that is my job. The audition is my job Um, and I'm learning that. So whether or not it continues on to the next day is not my business. I was thinking about it this morning. It's kind of like surfing. All the photos you see of surfing are people on a wave, usually in Hawaii or Tahiti or somewhere beautiful and it's clean and offshore and they look really comfortable and it's a freeze frame or it's a short video that's like eight seconds or five seconds long. They don't show you that 99% of surfing... We're thrown on the rocks like 20,000 times before the show. Paddling, getting smashed over by waves, having to duck dive, having to hustle, having to be in the pack of 120 guys, paddling on one wave, pulling out, wiping out, getting smashed. That's what surfing is. You can do that for four hours and catch one wave. And that's the photo that people go, oh, you've been surfing. It's a beautiful way of looking at it. It's exactly what it is. It's the journey. It's the adventure. It's the knockbacks. It's the... 
it's although that is the job. The job is not booking the job. The job is the auditions, the knockbacks, the process, the meetings, the experiences. That is what I'm getting paid not really to do. What was it like? Because I remember one time uh, with Noah, I was like, oh, can I come? She's like, oh, no big deal. I was like, I just want to come see the audition thing. And, you know, they have the casting breakdown and you're, it would be like uh, must-have athletic look, um, you know, five foot, five, five, or Caucasian, blue eyes, blonde. And I remember it was the same thing with her. It was like uh, Middle Eastern appearance, must have weapons training, you know, which <laughs> yeah. she had. She's been in the army. I remember walking in the door at NBC Burbank and people all look up to see who's walking in next. And I look up and I remember walking in with Noah and there was 22 women who looked exactly like my wife. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, what the, why? Why are you all, it's like going to go to the supermarket here and there's 75 kinds of butter. I just want butter. You know, it's like, how do you deal with that? Do you remember the first time you walked into a casting room and was like, oh, I guess we're all blonde and tiny today. Yeah. And you sort of think you immediately, you go, it's not my job. You know, it does crazy things to your mind. Um, So you have to find the dust that they don't have, the little magic dust that they don't have. And you've got to take that into the room and go, I know we all look the same, but I can give you this bit of dust. And hopefully they buy that. You've got to give them something they don't have. And I think you find that dust in your journey. That's a great. That's, that's, that's good advice. So, when, so we've talked about what it's like when the big show doesn't get picked up, which is horrible. What's it like when you get the call and say, oh, series regular, you're on? When I booked Hall Pass, a that comedy I did back. Oh, no, that was a, t- a movie I did. Yeah, I know. I, I remember say, um, it. Owen Wilson trying to shag you in the kitchen. <laughs> Love it. He rang me. Owen rang me. They got him to call me to tell me I got the job. Um, and that was four or five years ago. Um, it was one of the first jobs I'd done out here, more bigger jobs. Um, and he rang me and he goes, hey, Nikki, it's Owen. I went, Owen Wilson, I was just in the audition room with you because he was there in the last audition for it. And he goes, you got the job, girl. He goes, your team's about to call you, but we just wanted to call you and say congratulations. And I think my feet, like, were over the top of my head floating somewhere. And I was like, you know, when I saw the billboard in Melbourne and I didn't feel anything, I was like, yep, yeah, next. I actually had a moment where I went, oh, thank you. Okay, I smelt the roses for a minute. So it was, it, um, that moment was definitely, you do, I still have those moments I don't live for them because they're far, few and far between. Uh, but they, it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling to book a job and to know that you're going to be working around some fabulous people and you get to go and do what you love. Finally, every day, you're not fighting for it, you're just living it. Is there something very yummy about that? That's the right word for it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of it is the paddling. A lot of it is the hustle. A lot That's of the majority of it. Yeah. Yeah. Way more than people could possibly comprehend. Yeah. I, I don't recommend it for my children. <laughs> y- yeah. I, if I have, have any, I don't recommend it for them. But yeah. You'll have kids. Don't worry. Um, so <laughs> you're on a very interesting job right now. You just got picked up for a third third season. Oh, Chosen? Yeah, for Chosen. Well, I don't want to kill the storyline but i'm not in the third season oh, in the no third season. i did the first and well it's, it all gets yeah. released on the same day so i'm sure everybody knows by now oh yes yeah, so i got shot in the head uh out, Unreal. out of it um out of the but that was great i just finished doing a um big movie called the wedding ringer with josh gad and kevin hart big comedy that comes out 
early next year. You worked with Mr. Book of Mormon? He's amazing. The he went greatest. to Mada in Australia. I'm obsessed with Josh. He is an unbelievable human being. He is unbelievable human, intelligent, hysterical man. And then Kevin Hart, it's a whole other kettle of fish. I mean, he's hysterical. What's it like when you're on set working with guys like that? I love it. I, God damn, I love it. You have a ball. You're around the funniest, cleverest people. You've got to be on your feet. You know, and before that, I had just wrapped a movie called Left Behind where I got to work with one of my favourite actors in a cockpit for two, for two months, Nicolas Cage. It's so weird. The chosen you, one, you, the one true God. If you're, if you're a Reddit fan, he's the one true God. I you grow up with him. Yeah. I grew up watching him on TV and then I walk on to He was so good in Valley Girl. I don't care what anyone says. I love him so much. Um, you walk on a set and you're learning lines with him, you and one-on-one. It's the weird, it's such a wonderful, wonderful feeling. I've heard that he's, um, when it comes to being directed, he's very much like, I'll do anything you say. I'm all yours. He doesn't go like, this is how I would do it. Or this is, he just like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like he operates as a, I don't want to use the word puppet, but he operates as, he's so malleable. He knows your lines, he knows his lines and he gets in there and. He's asked to look in this light and do this way and he will do it and he does it and he does it at his best in his Nicolas Cage way and you sit there and go, now I have to respond to Nicolas. It's just so so surreal. Is it like it's when you great. play tennis against someone who's quite better than you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of like, you just, it's a, there's a moment where in the middle of a scene I was doing with him, I'm yelling at him and I'm crying and halfway mid my monologue, I'm like, Nikki, you're actually screaming at Nicolas Cage right now. You can't help but have moments in your mind that say that. Of course you do. Growing up as a kid down in Australia in this small little town, then boom, the next thing you know, you're sitting on a fake plane with Nicolas Cage screaming. I mean, it's, you have these amazing moments and they are, you talk about them and you share them and you laugh. And it's, that's why I bloody love my job. It's really exciting. and You learn. You learn so much from them. So right? good. Now... Just just compare, just so people can understand what it's like to work on a film like that. Can you compare, because it's a good yardstick, because it's the last thing that people think about when they're making a, a production. Compare the catering on Neighbours to the catering on one of these films. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just there is no comparison. <laughs> Do you know what, though? I, I didn't mind the catering on Neighbours. I'm pretty... You know, you get here and everyone's like, your trailer's big. I remember a trailer I walked onto a movie set. It was like a house. And I rang my lawyer and I said, I think I'm in the wrong trailer. And he goes, no, 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 we negotiated that for you. And I was like, but on Neighbours, I shared a room with 15 women and a coat hanger. And he was like, well, this is Hollywood, Nikki. And I was like, so I, you know, I, you just sort of. Don't worry, you gave him 5% for that trailer. It's fine. I love that you know the statistics of what gets I have gets a 5% paper. lawyer. It's the greatest thing ever. I don't yes, know do. why lawyers in Australia don't work on the same way. It's the best. It's Because it's in my lawyer's interest to get me the best deal ever. Yeah. And that's it. It's You don't pay him. I, I don't I, like I, to get used to that because it goes away. So it's like today the catering's amazing. Next week's film's a lower budget. So it might just be, you know, in and out and brought onto set. Yeah. You just take what you can get and enjoy it. Fair enough. <laughs> But it is, I mean, I remember what I did, I did that CBS show here and I had a similar experience when I was like, it was a bus that the sides were like a transformer and, it, and <laughs> it, it opened out into, we could have had a ball in there. I mean, ball as in like dancing. And I remember walking in there going, 
Who am I sharing with? Oh, no, no, this is yours. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> who am I sharing it with? That's so cute. I know I say things like that. I go, who are? And they go, Nikki, it's yours. I'm like, what? It's like, as Aussies, we're going to learn to receive. You know? You're absolutely right. Which, you know, what's the biggest difference that you've noticed in, you know, the American attitude towards success versus the Australian attitude towards success? I think being in a country where that you brought up, I think the Americans are a little bit more, um, they've got this incredible quality of their nature that's like, they really, they, they believe that they deserve the best and then they get it and they're like, yes, because I worked for it and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful quality. In Australia, we don't have that. We are told, no, 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 no. We, we're sort of boxed in a little more and, and people say keeping you grounded and it's like, well, can you, you know, and I think we as Australians coming over here, we're so, you know, someone gives you a, something free and we're like oh my god what do you want let me do i'll do anything you just gave me a free t-shirt oh my god you're my best friend whereas we're, we're just not as i think we need to be a little bit more open to receiving and expecting to receive great things i think as humans we should do that we don't accept things very well australians and i think if we did we would open ourselves up more unless unless you're a sports star in australia it's totally cool to be a sports star and be put on a pedestal yeah it's totally Athletes fine. get looked after different Pardon? Athletes like get these special rules. They do. Athletes get to do whatever they want worldwide. It's like they're this whole different tribe that just get away with everything. They really, they really do. Uh, you know, you can, yeah, you can get away with a lot if you're like, yes, he was this horrible to his wife, but he has this record. People go, yeah, well, okay. I mean, they, no, it's not okay. Okay, and if you made it to the Olympics, you are forever a celebrity. You are forever taken care of. You will never have to pay for another meal for the rest of your life. I mean, the athletes, look, they dedicate their lives to incredible things. And I love sports and I love it all. But, yeah, the athletes live in a different nation. I do. It's okay. I did want to ask, though, just to talk about, because the show that you're on, Chosen, was on an internet platform called mm-hmm. Crackle. Yeah. And this is a big week here in LA. We're just recording this uh Four, four days ago now, House of Cards Season 2 came out. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the future of content like that and moving forward? What kind of, you know, do you see that you'll be a part of internet-based productions or independent, independent productions that come out outside of the studio system? I love them. There's so much freedom in them. And, you know, joining the Chosen cast was some friends of mine were putting it together and asked me to be a part of it. And I was like, I didn't even ask what network it was on. I was like, an opportunity to work, let's go. And then I got there and realized how what it was for and, and stuff and I was like great there was so much more freedom and this you know love it or hate it Facebook Twitter and all this stuff exists internet based shows new networks these new systems it's this is where it's going love it or hate it embrace it it is what it is if you get an opportunity to perform perform go and be a part of it I don't care if it's on NBC or if I don't care if it's on anything that's just starting up or internet based if you have a in my world, if I have a chance to perform, I will perform and I'll thoroughly enjoy it. And you have to embrace these new places. And I, that's just the way it is. You know, I can fight it and be like, it's, there's so many people here like, I am just staying to network. Well, yeah, I love network. I've worked for network. It's fabulous. But there's a new system that's coming through with some unbelievable content and incredible. It gives these people, these creative people, this place without needing a massive budget to show what they're made of. It makes it a little harder 
to um, get us paid the way we used to and stuff. But it's I, for these unbelievably creative people. It's giving. But them it's an a barrier to entry is lower because it's it's cheaper to produce. But and it's only going to work if it's incredible. It's Absolutely. only going to work if yeah. the story is amazing. But at least there's a, an outlet for those creative, yeah. fabulous people now. And so I again bring it. Uh, I, I did want to ask though, and I only you know I don't know if you realise. I'm sure you do. Uh, you are a very beautiful woman. I I've spent time with a very beautiful woman in this town, and a lot of things, like we said earlier, a lot of things get assumed mm. when you're a beautiful woman mm. uh, about how you got the job or whatever. Or, or why you're here, or why you're at a certain level, or whatever like that. How is it to be? Because it is such a, 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 an industry just dominated by masculine energy. How do you remain feminine and and have that feminine energy around when you so often have to to get that hustle on? You kind of have to be a bit alpha about things. Talking of masculine feminine energy, actually, I just. Uh sold a book to the Weinstein Company called Feminine Lust, Why So Many Women Are Male. It's written Did by... Did you say you sold a book? Yeah. I, you I went and got the rights? To, no, my... Uh, Jennifer Granger, a lady I've worked with for five years in Australia, she's a shaman and a, a life coach, she uh, wrote this book and I was about to have it published and I produced it to the Weinstein Company who I've worked with before and they bought the book and it's now just nice. been released. Nice. And it's uh, talking about exactly what you just asked me this book's incredible it's just been released in the u.s it comes out in australia in a month i'll actually get you a copy it's unbelievable but if you do look at my twitter you can follow by this book and it talks about this stuff how to stay how to stay feminine in a world where we're it's so unbalanced now women are so highly masculine driven and men are so highly feminine and relationships don't work and the parallels are all unbalanced now and energy and it's you know how do you stay true in a place i think the energy here is i think the men here are highly feminine and the women are highly masculine in hollywood to be honest with you um you know i think women forget that you don't need to push and control and be so hard to book a job it's okay to just do the work and stay in that feminine space i think a lot more comes and this is a really hard practice when we're in a town of survival, you need your masculine to be strong and healthy. And this is what I've been learning. But you, your power comes from the feminine. And I wish more people would understand that there wouldn't be so much craziness and so many unbalanced relationships and the business wouldn't be so the way it is. I think if people sat better in their masculine and feminine states. And I think... Um, trying to sort of do you mean sort of stay true is that where you sort of is just is remembering that being feminine is just your internal this is what I've been taught through Jennifer Granger is your internal no button and knowing when to say no and having faith in your no button is your survival you don't have to say yes to everything um, I did that when I was younger, but I was, yeah, I'll do that job. I'll do that job. Now I'm a little older and a little bit more fragile and know a little more. And I know what it suits me and what doesn't know your internal no button. Um, know when things are, you have to work hard to get what you want. Yes, absolutely. But there is no more better power than someone who knows who they are. 
So when you know who you are and what you want, I think you'll get better results. So I try and apply that here. You can be beautiful. So shit, there's so, Jesus, there's so many beautiful people in this town. It's retarded. It's I top ten percent of the top ten percent. I mean, the best of the best. Um, if you're going to rely on that, you could be lucky and book a job. You might get a couple fancy dates with some pretty big people. Uh, you could land a few commercials, or you know. You get, but the true, the true source lies in with who you really are. And if you want longevity out of anything in life, um. You've got to do a little bit more work on the inside. And uh, that's not easy. That's not, that's not easy, especially for beautiful women who have only ever got what they wanted because they were beautiful. It's a curse as well as a blessing. You have to do the work internally because at some stage it all starts. Like I'm in my 30s now. Things are different to how they used to be. Um, I don't bounce around in bikinis getting jobs because I'm, you know, you know, do all that. So they want more from me now. So I have to deliver more. I have to come up with chops in certain I have to, and to do that, you've got to live and you've got to do the work. Um, and it's not easy. So I just always say to people, just do the work. It's worth it. Especially the when work. there's like every day, every single day, mm-hmm. another thousand Miss Kansas getting off the plane. Yeah. And I um, just do the do do your internal work. Listen to your internal button, your internal no button. That will I think that's for women in particular. Um, be beautiful and enjoy being beautiful. And and if you were blessed with that way, or but the internal stuff is the lasting stuff. If you really want to survive, you know, do that work. I it's think. so unfair. It's so unfair. I'm 40. No shit. Yeah, I'm 40. Hi, I look 12. But I cheat. I don't, I don't, I don't drink and I, I'm vegan. <laughs> I don't drink. I play look after myself. I look before. I'm looking okay, you, you look great. Um, but it's so unfair. I mean, like, I've got a beard right now. There's gray in my beard. There's gray in my hair. For dudes, it's like, oh, unreal. You know, it's the Clooney years. Right? It's coming in. Yeah, right? Boys just get better as you get older. Boys, it's so unfair. And also, and we can, like, for better or worse, we can make babies as long as we bloody like. Yes. It's the different. ticking clock. Is there a ticking clock? For women. Like, no, but just like for, for women in an industry that is based, as you mentioned, it is based on parents initially. Uh, it's, it's so, there's so much damn pressure. You know, everyone's like, when are you going to get married and have kids and do this and do that? And I'm See what like, I'm saying? Well, yeah, it, it, people say that, but I think that's a. Um, we're in a different time. Women are having babies at forties. Do I agree with that? I, I, it's a different time. I, some people aren't fit to have children. Some people aren't meant to have children. Some women aren't, and some are. And uh, there's a time and a place for everything where you're at in your life. There's no rush. There's no when anything is done out of desperation, it will never be good. A good result. So. Um, yeah, there's pressure. Do you stay young? Why don't you just try? It's hard. But just embrace where you're at. Okay, well, this is the age bracket. I mean, I play a mother sometimes in roles. And then I play, you know, an, a girl in her early 20s still. I can still get away with that. But I can also play a mother now. So I get, I get the best of both worlds. The glass is half full wherever you're at. 
I, found, I heard a really interesting thing the other day. It says, uh, when I ride my bike, I um, listen to audiobooks when I ride. There's a book called The Art of Possibility. And they were talking about people who see the world with the glass half full are actually being more realistic than people see who the world is glass half empty. Because a glass half full exists in reality. The emptiness is an imaginary thing. It's lovely, isn't it? It's, it's a pretty wild distinction to make around, Just, around yeah. perception, at least. Because yeah. if um, you're inventing how many things could go wrong, you are not talking about what is in the room with you. What is? What is going right? Yeah. What, is, what have you got? Yeah. You know? And that's more with your head in the clouds, dark, stormy clouds, but that's more with your head in the clouds than this is what we have and how great is it? Mm, it's all those little quotes, be grateful for what you've got, be in the moment, be present, do all that. It's a daily practice this stuff just doesn't you don't just have a breakthrough and then live this gracious amazing life it's a daily practice remembering that your glass is half full and as a woman in hollywood at any age it's a different challenge when you're younger you i mean everything's crazy you're always going to be dealing with a different challenge at a different age so i accept where i'm at now at 32 and i say this is where i'm at I know what I can play. I know what I can't play yet. I know what I won't play and what I will play. I'm at a, you know, a lot of my friends married now with kids. You know, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And if I was supposed to be anywhere else, I would be there. Heavy. Truth. That's truth. All right, last question. Um, There's probably some actors listening right now, men and women, who are thinking of getting on QF11 leaving at 3 p.m. from Sydney and landing at 8.30 in the morning at LAX. I know the schedule or backwards. Ten, or 10 o'clock from Melbourne. <laughs> or 10 o'clock from Melbourne. QF5, I think. I think it's 5. 94. 94 from Melbourne. Yeah, the 94. 94 from Melbourne. The 94 Rattler. Or the, or the 11. Uh, the 11 from... Uh, 11's good because it's the A380. It's really good. What would you say to those people who are like, that's it, I'm going? Give it a crack. If there's something in you that needs to go on that journey, give it a crack. There's no failing. Go on a holiday. You might meet the love of your life. You might become a movie star overnight. You might hate yourself and go home. Um, Be lucky that you come from Australia so you can always go back there if you want. Be blessed that you have the best of both worlds if you're an Australian coming over. Um, If there's something in you yearning for it, go and adventure it. But just if you stay in Melbourne, if you stay in Sydney, there will be a journey there too. LA's a big one. It's going to be a little harder than the average journey. It will be harder than staying in your hometown. Um, If you're up for the challenge, give it a crack. You know, it's it's, it's your journey that's, you know, good luck. (laughs) And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Find something. You will find something here. It may not be fame, but you will definitely find something in Hollywood that you'll – make you the best version of yourself i believe that i really that is the magic in la it'll do something to you it might feel ugly at the time but it will do something very magical to you i couldn't agree more yeah we were saying a little earlier on my balcony it's addictive being here Mm -hmm. i still can't figure it out because it gives there's a it's so off the charts that you can be so off the charts here and get away with it um, but you've just got to make sure when you, you you come down that you've got some your feet are in your on the ground. You, you can it, it's so wild here. There are no boundaries. 
Um, it's like a massive Disneyland for adults. Um, but, you know, at some stage the lights go down. So just go easy. <laughs> Take care of yourself. It's, it's, it's seasonal. It's see, but life is, I think. Oh, there's tidal. Think. Yeah, it's tidal. Sometimes the tide's high, sometimes the tide's low. It's weird when I'm not here. You feel like you're missing out. Yeah. I had to get over that. I had to get over that a lot. I had to get over the idea that if I'm not here and there's things happening without me, things are always going to happen without me. I remember uh, she worked at Sony Music. She was one of the people that was courting my band back in the olden days when we were looking to get signed. Uh, her name's Joe, And she always said, you're always going to miss out on stuff, but don't miss out on going on adventures. So just book the, book the trip and go. Mm. You're always going to miss stuff. Yeah. And that's okay. The stuff will still be if here. If you were supposed to do it, you'd be doing it. Yeah. So just book the trip. Just go. Just go. And sometimes when you book the trip, something else better comes up. If you want to book a job, book, book a, trip. a trip. That's the key to LA. They say it. They say it all the bloody time. It's that's, the truth. But we're all so scared. Isn't it funny? As soon as you move to LA, you stop traveling. So I'm, I'm just really grateful that you came and, and spent time with me because I, I truly believe to survive and that's the only word for it in this city for any length of time beyond a few months takes a skill like living in new york takes a skill living in mexico city takes a skill there's a certain skill set you need to have and i it really sounds like you're you're kind of hitting a total stride that everything is just as it is and you're just moving through it rather than do you feel more balanced do you feel more together um, some days, some days you wake up and you're so off kilter and then other days you wake up and the magic's there. It's a daily practice and I'm just, I'm a Taurus, I'm an earth sign. I got to learn to be like a little bit more of a fish and just glide through it. That's the key is just trying to just glide through this. There's n- nothing, you can't control Hollywood. Exactly. So the yeah. only, so just, con- just try and control the way you you can choose how to feel about it. That's about it. And that's, you know... That's pretty thing. much life in a nutshell. Yeah, that's you can only kind of... Okay, I didn't get the job. Am I going to cry? I'm going to go and have a cup of tea with a girlfriend. I'm going to go and have a cup of tea with a girlfriend because it will feel better. Yeah. Just, just, it is what it is. I don't know. It's You can only control how you feel. And even that is hard. Everything else is God, universe, whatever you want to call it. So, and Hollywood just enhances the hell out of it all. It's quite the reflective mirror. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm very grateful that you've chosen to be so generous with your time. Thank you for having me anytime. I always love to uh, be honest and give a sincere story. Hopefully, it'll, <laughs> I don't know what the hell. It's always, you know, it's an be amazing open to tale. help. It's a very inspirational tale. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to take your photo. Oh, are you? Yeah. Where do you do that? We'll do it right here. Uh Uh-oh. On that Polaroid camera right there. Polaroid camera? Oh, yeah. Is this Polaroid? No. No. I'll show you. No, that is. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And that is Nikki Whelan. Um, Fairly inspirational. I'm sure you'll agree. Let her know you heard her here. If there's anything you heard on the show that resonates with you, send her a tweet. Um, at Nikki Whelan, N-I-C-K-Y-W-H-E-L-A-N. I highly recommend following her. She's a real interesting person and just works so damned hard. Um, like I said at the start of the show, I, I feel like I'm standing still when I listen to how hard she works and that certainly 
put some <laughs> put a bit of a fire under my feet and made me think about how, how hard I, I push into things that I want, things that I desire. Um, thank you ever so much for being here. I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, slight bit of cross promotion if uh, if you're into it. I do another podcast with my beautiful friend Natalia Perez. It's called Let Me Tell You Something. You can find us in iTunes. Uh, it's an advice podcast and it's a lot of fun. It's a much more uplift. Kind of, well, not this show isn't uplifting, but it's a it's a lot more lighthearted and it's a lot of fun. Let Me Tell You Something. You can search for us on iTunes. You can find us there. Um, that comes out on Fridays in Australia and Thursdays in America. This show comes out each and every Monday in Australia, each and every Sunday in the US and will always be free. Um, so thank you so much for being here because, like I said at the start of the show, I'm turning 40 tomorrow. I've been in broadcasting 21 years. And this is, without a doubt, one of the most satisfying things I've ever done in my career. And I couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. Have a great weekend. I'm 40 now. That feels all right. <laughs> Sleep well, man. Dream of beautiful things, all right? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.